Second Samuel chapter number 16, verses number 5. The Bible declares, as King David approached Baharam, a man from the same clan as Saul's family came out there from there. His name was Shimei, son of Gera. He cursed as he came out. He pelted David and all the king's officials with stones. Though all the troops and the special guard were on David's right and left, then Abishai, verse number 9, declares, son of Zariah said to the king, why should this dead dog curse my lord the king? Let me, let me go over and cut off his head. David then said to Abishai and all his officials, my son, speaking of Absalom, my own flesh and blood is trying to kill me. How much more then this Benjamite? Leave him alone. Let him curse for the Lord has told him to. 12 declares, it may be that the Lord will look upon my misery and restore to me his covenant blessing. That's so good. Instead of his curse today. So David and his men continued along the road while Shimei was going along the hillside opposite him. Watch this. Continuing cursing as he went and throwing stones at him, the king that is, and showering him with dirt. Father, now. In the name of the Lord Jesus, I come humbly before you asking for your chiefest of anointings to rest upon me. I realize, God, I have nothing of myself to say to anybody, but only because you have stirred my heart with such a word. I stand on this platform before your people here within this sanctuary, as well as those who are watching us online. Your will be done, not Greg's, and it is in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen, and thank God. A um, couple of months ago, I was uh, in the gym, and um, I was watching some guys just play basketball. I don't know uh, what exactly they were, if it was a, a, hurt, uh, a practice or whatever. I can't remember. Uh, but I was in the gym, and these guys, man, they were just showing out. They was doing all these kind of moves and all these shots, and it was, it was just interesting watching. I just like anybody who's skilled at what they're doing. I just like to watch them. So these boys navigated over to where I was in the stands, and they started shooting three-pointers in the stands, y'all, and everybody, I mean, the, the more attention they got, it's like the further and the higher up in the stands that they got. And I'm talking about skillfully making three-pointers in, in the bleachers. And everybody is just blown away. They are amazed at the skill and consistency of these boys shooting threes in the stands. And as I'm sitting there and I'm watching them, I'm blown away myself until this thought comes to my, my mind, Brother Shiloh. It's skillful and it's impressive, but in a game it don't count. Only the things that you do within the boundaries of, come on somebody, of the game really counts. And that's the reason why we're in the middle of this series, Family Matters, because there have been some things that God has highlighted in my spirit on today that we are doing outside of boundaries. And our lives, the quality of our lives are somewhat diminishing because we shoot three-pointers in the stands. Let me get to one of the texts that God stirred my heart with in the book of Ephesians, chapter number 6, verses number 1. The Bible declares, children, obey your parents in the Lord. Somebody shout, for this is right. He says, for the children, obey your parents in the Lord, and the caveat is in the Lord, in the Lord. In essence, if your parents or any authority figure is telling you to do something that's contrary to the law, contrary to the will of God, then as a child, you are not bound by whatever that authority figure is telling you to do. Can somebody say amen to that? 
But children, obey your parents. Watch this, in the Lord. Now, he's going to talk to the parents in verse number four, and he's going to challenge them not to exasperate, not to drive your children to anger, because even as a parent, I could look at certain rules that I established for Aisha. As she grew up, I was like, that was, that was overkill. I don't know why I did that. There's certain things I challenged Greg Jr. to do or not to do, and as he grow, grew up, I was like, maybe I shouldn't have done that. So the scripture teaches me to evaluate my parenting. But for the children to obey your parents, somebody shout, in the Lord. In the Lord, that's the caveat for this is right. When you get to verses number two, it says, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. Now, now watch the wisdom of the text. The authority of the parent ends at the point of legal and financial responsibility. There was a point I was a child in my father's house, and watch this, because he was legally and financially responsible to me, responsible for me, I had to obey my daddy. I'm in school right now, and if I don't go to school, if I don't do what I'm supposed to do, nobody's going to call my, my parents. But there was a point in time that if I didn't go to school, my parents were going to jail. <laughs> Y'all ain't saying nothing. Come on. Well, I'm in school right now, and nobody's calling my parents. And watch this by the same token. There was a time when legally I was grown, but financially depended upon my parents, and I couldn't ask for my daddy's money without his rules. So if you're still legally under the age, or you are responsible, watch this, or you are depending upon your parents' financial responsibility, then verse number one applies to you. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Why, y'all? For this is right. So now my pops came to me last week. He called me and he said, son, you got a pressure washer. I got a job I need to do. I need to borrow your pressure washer. I said, no, pop, no problem, pops. Come pick it up. He didn't call me, Charlotte, and say, hey, boy, you better give me that pressure washer. He didn't he, he do that because watch this. Is one grown man talking to another. <laughs> you only saying nothing. I am still his child, but I'm not a child. So there came a point in our relationship where Ephesians chapter number six, verses number one, did not apply any longer because, again, I am his child, but I am not a child. So at some point in your relationship with your parents, Ephesians six and one goes away, but Ephesians six and two never dissolves. The caveat for 6 and 1, in the Lord, in the Lord. He does not put a caveat in Ephesians 6 and 2 because as a child, you are to always, somebody shall honor, always honor your parents. Now, I want to deal with honor just for a moment. I want to give a definition to it. Honor simply means to give weight or dignity to one in the sense of respect. The problem that many of us are having in our family, in the church, and that's what we're dealing with primarily family matters is that we as people of God have developed the societal standard of honor as opposed to the biblical standard of honor. Within society, you get honored based on what you do and how much you have. Come on, sir. What you have accomplished in life, you are honored based on achievement. But when it comes to the biblical standard of honor, it's not about what you have done. It's about what God has done in your life. I'm going to let that settle just for a moment. Biblical honor is about position alone. So if my, my military guys, they understand this the most, and I, I, I appreciate them because watch this. When you salute somebody, you don't salute them because you like them. 
Y'all ain't saying nothing in this place. I said, when you salute them, you don't salute them because they have been nice to you or they've given you certain favor. No, you salute them by virtue of their position in your life. That is biblical honor. So when it says honor your father and mother, it didn't say honor your perfect father. It didn't say honor your flawless mother. Y'all ain't saying nothing. It says honor your father and mother because this is how I have set up Order in the family. Can somebody say amen right there? Now watch this. Y'all just follow me just for a second because I'm pretty passionate. I'm going to tell you at the end why I'm so passionate and why it, it drove me. There's some revelation that God gave me that drove me back to apologize to any and everybody who I have ever dishonored as, a, as an authority figure in my life. But I just want to highlight a passage of scripture in Romans chapter number 13. The man of God writes and he says... Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities. Now, this particular scripture I'm reading specifically is talking about leadership, but there are some concepts that apply to parental authority. Paul writes and he says, let everyone be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Now, let me press pause there for a second to give you understanding of the context of why the Apostle Paul is writing this. He's writing this particular scripture to the church at Rome is because they have just now been allowed back into the city. Caesar kicked them out of the city. Historically, we know this because they were acting up. Let me say it again. Christians got kicked out of a city because they were showing out. Had nothing to do with persecution. Had nothing to do with haters. The Caesar saw y'all causing more problems than y'all are help in my city. So all of y'all who call on the name of Jesus, y'all need to get up out of my city because your presence doesn't represent the Christ that you say you serve. So as they are coming back into the city, the Apostle Paul gives them instructions concerning, watch this, the secular government, the Caesar, the Roman Empire. He says, verse number one again, let, every, let everyone be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except that which God has established. He says, the man that's in power in Rome, he's only there because I allowed him to be there. And if you are a believer, I want you to respect the authority that I allow to be there. Y'all ain't saying nothing in this place. As a pastor, I want to I wanna just, just throw this out there. I've been so disappointed for the past 12, 14 years uh, uh, in, in the Christian dome because we have shown such disrespect when it comes to our presidential officials. What, what, Y'all ain't, ain't saying that. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and go there. If, if you just saw me for the past 10 years, you wouldn't know if I was left wing, white, right wing. You wouldn't know if I was Democrat or Republican. What, because I have a healthy respect for leadership. Come on, somebody. I heard people dog, dog uh, Bush when he was going out of presidency. I heard people dog Obama when he came into presidency. And it's crazy. Every time a new president comes in that you don't like in Christian, we always label them the Antichrist, that they're going to be the one that's going to destroy the world. They said it about Bush. They said it about Obama. They said it about Trump. Come on, somebody. And I've also heard the so-called prophets now prophesied Biden now as the Antichrist. 
The scripture declares there is no authority except the one that I allowed. And as believers, you've got to understand, even in our scripture, the Bible teaches us and it gives us an example that God himself can use an evil Pharaoh to bless his people. Can somebody say amen to that right he said, let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been, watch this, established by God. Whether you like it or not, Bush, when he was in office, God said it was established by me. Trump, whether you like it or not, when he was in office, God says it's by me. Biden now, getting ready, to, President-elect, God said it's by me. And watch this, it doesn't negate the fact that a presidential candidate, a leader, a pastor, a father, a mother has to give an account of their wrong. Watch this. But God says, I put them there for your good. I saw what they could do to bless your life and I allowed them. Oh God, I want to help somebody. Whether they fulfill the purpose of God in their lives or not, God said, I saw the good that they could do and I put them there. Verse number two declares, consequently, uh-oh, uh-oh, I want to talk to the believers just for a second. I want to talk to the Christians now that are rallying against Biden. I want to talk to the Christians that hated Trump. Come on. I want to talk to the believers that hated Obama. The Bible declares, consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against God says, you fight me. Because they wouldn't be in office unless I allowed them to be in office. Whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment upon themselves. Verse number four, for the one in authority is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, again, whole nother message, whole nother message on how to deal with leaders, parents, in error. Whole nother message I just want to deal with for the next few moments the dishonor that we as so-called Christ followers give to people who he has placed in our lives as authority. And just like he placed governmental authorities in position, he was the one who chose your mama and your daddy. I want to tell you today, they may not have turned out or things may have not turned out the way that you desire, but God placed that mama and that daddy in your life. Y'all ain't saying nothing in this play because he said, I saw what they could do for you. Now, whether they're going to do it or not, I see the potential and I placed them in your life for your good. And as a child, I'm declaring today, you, you might be past the age of obedient, o obeying them, but you are never past the age of honoring somebody's out, I must honor. For the one in authority is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. They are God's servants, agents of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoers. This is crazy. Ooh, six and seven says, this is also why you pay taxes. I know we complain about that, but this is why we pay taxes. Because if it's a fire in my house, I want I want the firemen to come quickly. This is why we pay taxes. There's somebody breaking in my house. I want the police to come. Come on, somebody. Y'all ain't saying nothing. I don't, I, don't care. I don't care if he's a Democrat. I don't care if he's a Republican, left wing, right wing, no wings at all. Somebody breaking in my house ain't supposed to be there. I need you there right now. Y'all, come on, come on. For the authorities are God's servant who... 
give their full time to government. Give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. Here it is. If honor, give them honor. Societal honor is a demonstration of respect based on what someone has accomplished, what they have achieved, what they possess. Biblical honor has nothing to do with what a person has done or hasn't done. It has everything to do with who they are in your life. Now, I was praying about this particular text, and I said, God, give me a, give me a passage of, uh, of Scripture where I see honor or dishonor in a text clearly. And, and this is what he, what he dropped into my spirit. And, man, it was such a long text, and I had to just chop it up because, I mean, it's like, it's like four or five chapters long that leads up, that, that explains the entire thing. But I'm just going to extrapolate just a couple of scriptures out of each of the chapters so you can see what's going on. In the book of 2 Samuel, chapter number 15, verses number 1, th this is a scene of disrespect towards a father and a leader. The Bible declares, in the course of time, Absalom provided himself with a chariot and horses and with 50 men to run ahead of him. He would get up early and stand by the side of the road leading to the city gate. Whenever anyone came with a complaint to be placed before the king for a decision, Absalom would call out to him, what town are you from? He would answer, your servant is from one of the tribes of Israel. Now understand, these individuals are coming to his daddy, the king, to seek justice. But he is interceding between him, between the people and his father, the king, and he is pulling the hearts of the people to himself. Verse number three declares, then Absalom would say to him, Look, your claims are valid and proper, but there is, look at, look at, look at this, look at this. There is no representative of the king to hear you. And Absalom would add, if, if, if only I were appointed judge in the land, then everyone who has a complaint or case could come to me. And I would see that they would receive Justice 5 declares, also whenever anyone approached him to bow down before him, Absalom would reach out his hand Take hold of him and kiss him. This, this is behavior of a king, not, the son, not a prince, not a son of a king, but he is showing extreme dishonor to his father. Six declared, Absalom behaved in this way toward all, Israelite, all the Israelites who came to the king asking for justice. And so he stole the hearts of the people of Israel. You know the rest of the text. He eventually attempts a coup to dethrone his father. Now, let's put the text in context. What, what had happened was <laughs> Absalom had a sister by the name of Tamar, his whole sister. They had an older brother named Amnon, half-brother. And the scripture declares that Amnon played sick and asked King David for his half-sister Tamar to come in and to cook for him. She goes to her big brother's house, cooks for him, and the Bible declares that he rapes her and puts her out of the house. Now, this is half-sister and brother, but the whole brother and sister, same mama, same daddy, Absalom is furious. So this is what he does. He, number one, kills his brother Amnon. He runs away, and when he comes back, he sets up a plan. God, I want to help somebody to take his father's throne. This is what... This is the real tragedy. Absalom didn't give time for God's just judgment nor his father justice. The scripture declares that David was angry 
but we don't see, we don't get a chance to see what are the consequences to his son. Some of you all might say, well, it was two, he was gone two years, he was gone another four years, so that was plenty of time. But when you look at people, about, when you look at uh, patriarchs like Jacob, who waited to the end of his life to pronounce judgment upon his sons based on their behavior, in essence, there are certain rewards that he withheld from them based on what they did and did not do. We don't even get a chance to see that because Absalom took matters in his own hands. He killed his brother, and he's extreme, he dishonors his father in an extreme way. This is the problem with dishonor. It always trickles down. So when you start dishonoring your parent as the older child, it doesn't stop with you, but it trickles down to the rest of the siblings. When you're in the house and you dishonor your pastor, come on somebody, it don't just stay with you, but it trickles around the rest of the church and you sow, you sow seeds of disharmony and discord in the house of God. And I'm standing on the platform trying to figure out why people aren't responding, why people aren't getting aboard on the vision of what God has planted in my heart. It's because there is somebody that's sowing dishonor in the house. So because of the son's dishonor, we pick up at chapter number 16 of 2 Samuel, verses number 1. The Bible declares, when David had gone a short distance beyond the summit, there was Ziba, the steward of Mephibosheth, waiting to meet him. He had strings, a string of donkeys saddled and loaded with 200 loaves of bread, 100 cakes of raisins, 100 cakes of figs, and a skin of wine. Follow me. Verse number 2, the king asked Ziba, why have you brought these? Ziba answered, the donkeys are for the king's household to ride on the bread. Understand at this particular point, Absalom has run his father out of the kingdom and he's walking to a nearby city to get away from his son who's trying to kill him. The donkeys are for the king's household to ride on. The bread and fruit are for the men to eat and the wine is to refresh those who become exhausted in the wilderness. Look at, look at David's respond, response. The king then asked, where is your master's grandson? Ziba said to him, he is staying in Jerusalem, the place where the palace is, because he thinks today. He thinks because you've been dethroned by your son. He thinks today because today the Israelites will restore to me my grandfather's kingdom. Now, let me press pause there for a second because I'm, I'm really messed up by this particular text. Let me put it in context it is customary for a king when he is enthroned, all of the sons, grandsons, children, usually in general, are annihilated because that king knows that the old king's kid has a potential to threaten his security. David does the extreme opposite. He doesn't kill the grandson of Saul, but he does the extreme opposite. He actually invites Mephibosheth into his house to sit at his table as if he is one of his sons. And you mean to tell me, Mephibosheth, number one, David spared your life. He could have just spared your life and left you in Lodabar where you was. But not only did he spare your life, he brought you in. I want to help somebody. Set you at his table. You didn't just eat any old food. You ate from the king's table. And the moment the king is down, you trying to take his throne, the devil is absolutely a liar. Where you going with this, Pastor McGee? I've had people come to me that I've had to just simply shut up. 
What are you trying to say, Pastor Begin? I have people come to me with problems that they had from their previous pastor. And they tell me all the things that he has done wrong in the past four months. And then I ask the question, how long were you with him? I was, I was there since I was a child. And I'm scratching my head, and I'm thinking to myself, so you mean to tell me that the only thing that you have to say about your previous pastor is the corrupt stuff that he was involved in in the past four months? What about the fact that that was the one that God used to lead you behind the Christ? Come on, somebody. When, when you couldn't pay your bills, he went in his own pocket and paid your bills. Come on. He did stuff for you that he never publicized it's an extreme example of dishonor that when you look back at leaders, the only thing that you can say is what they didn't do for you, and you fail to talk about what they did do. Here's another blow. We get to chapter number 16, verses number 5. As King David approached Baharam, a man from the same clan as Saul's family came out from there. His name was Shimei, son of Gera, and he cursed as he came out, he pelted David and all the king's officials with stones. Though all the troops and the special guard were on David's right and left, look at what, look at what Shimei said. As he cursed, Shimei said, get out, get out, you murderer, you scoundrel. The Lord has repaid you for the blood you shed in the household of Saul, in whose palace, in whose place you have reigned. The Lord has given the kingdom into the hands of your son Absalom. You have come to ruin because you are a murderer. Now here's the tripped out part. Shimei takes an occasion to dishonor the king, bringing up faults that God had forgiven That's actually like one of them drop the mic moments. Shimei, how many know responding to a wrong in wrong don't make it right? So Shimei curses the king, dishonors him based off things that he did in his past. And if anybody knows David, David is a true worshiper. And whenever he falls short and he's convicted of whatever it is he's done, he goes to God falling on his knees saying, God, have mercy on me. And you bringing up stuff that I did in my past and you using my past sins as an excuse, oh, God, to dishonor me. Here's the thing about dishonor. God, oh, God, I want to help somebody in this place. God, somebody shall never. If you're watching me online, just type never. God never gives a subordinate a good excuse or reason to show dishonor to someone who's your superior. It could be your parent, it could be your boss, it could be your supervisor, it could be your pastor, it could be your president. He never gives you a reason or an excuse. He says, children, obey your parents in the Lord. That's the caveat, in the Lord. If it's outside of the Lord, you ain't got to obey them. But watch this. He never said, he never said honor them in the Lord. No, 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 no. He says honor them because biblical honor is giving honor to the position, not the action of the individual. God says, I know how to handle a corrupt king. I know how to handle a disobedient, corrupt parent. But God says, despite their actions, I'm commanding you to give them I'm going to be honest with you. There have been times in my life in the past that I was challenged by this word because 
I adopted societal standards of honor. Societal standards, again, are honoring the honorable. Honoring the honorable. And there have been times that I've had to correct, sometimes check, even members of this church that on Father's Day, you honor me because you see how I treat my children. But you didn't even call your own daddy on Father's Day, but you gave me a card with $20 in it. Thank you for the card, and I sure appreciate $20. But it's dishonor to your father to honor me and not even say nothing to How is it you give First Lady something for her birthday, but you give your mama nothing for her? Honor your father and your mother. Now, I'm standing before you, people of God, again, not as someone who has arrived, someone who has never fallen or failed. The reason I preach this particular passage with passion or this particular subject with passion is because I've been one of those individuals who have fallen into dishonor, disrespect, because I have dishonored people who God placed in my life. And the reason I dishonored them, I, had, I thought I had a valid excuse based on what they did. But after dishonoring them because they did something dishonorable, God checked me still. And all these three brothers that I just mentioned, uh, Mephibosheth, uh, uh, Shimei, and Absalom, it did not end well for them. Although in their minds they had a good excuse to dishonor because they saw something dishonorable, God still checks them because honor, God help me in this place, is without excuse. I'm getting ready to show you, watch this. I'm, I'm getting ready to show you three motivational scriptures that pushed me to a place years ago to go back and apologize to any and every leader, any and every authority that I ever showed contempt or disrespect of dishonor for. In the book of Psalms 133, verses number one, the Bible declares, Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Somebody shall unity. It is like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard that went down to the skirts of the garment. Understand, favor flows down as long as honor is flowing up. And for some of us, there is a portion. Come, come on, come on, just say it plainly because the reality is, Pop, God wouldn't give me a message like this unless it was dishonor in the house. God wouldn't just prick my heart. I wouldn't spend so much time studying and rehearsing and trying to get an understanding of something like this if this is, wasn't, if this is something that wasn't going on in the atmosphere right now. Many of you all are missing a flow of ointment, a flow of anointing, a flow of favor. Y'all ain't saying nothing. A measure of grace many of you all are missing because you have chose not to honor. Because honor, watch this, ointment flows down as long as, uh, ointment flows down as long as honor is flowing. Watch this. It's changed my life. Just changed my life. Matthew chapter number 10, verse number 41. I need you to see this. The Bible declares whoever welcomes a prophet, as a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. (laughs) Whoever welcomes a righteous person as a righteous person will receive a righteous person's reward. I want to run around this building right now. Pop, I'm happy. I want to run around the building right now because watch watch this. (sighs) So, um, um. 
I come to you, my brother, and I give you a drink of water. In my mind, you say thank you. And in my mind, I say to myself, I'm receiving appreciation. That's not what the scripture declares. When he's saying give a prophet a glass of water, he's not just talking about an isolated individual act. He's saying that when you make up in your mind to honor somebody for who they are and who God has made them to be, doesn't matter what they have done or have not. I want to help somebody in this place. Hee, Jesus. I got a short testimony in just a moment because, Jeff, I've missed this too many times, sir. I missed it. I missed it so much that I finally got it right. He's saying that when you honor a prophet, you get that prophet's reward. Watch. The same reward I would have given him for faithfulness, not only does he get it, but you get it because you honored it. Let, let, let me give you a story. So, so I, I got a good friend, good, good buddy of mine. We grew up together, started preaching at the same time, got married around the same time. And um, we were passionate about ministry. We studied. We studied people. And, and we connected with this, this prophet, man of God. I'm talking about one of them prophets that the, the old mothers used to say can see through muddy water on a cloudy day. One of them, I, ain't, I ain't talking about one of them prophets that be feeling, you know what I'm saying? You, 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 I, see, I see like a mother type figure. Is, is your mom still alive? Uh-uh. Is your, is your grandmother still? Uh-uh. Is there somebody in the job who, who's kind of, yeah, yeah, this is a lady. She's a little bit older than me. Yes, that's who I see. That's who. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about show enough prophet. Ain't got to know nothing about you. Come up to you, read your mail. And my friends, look, I'm talking about, this is the testimony I had. Friends mad at me because they thinking that I told him stuff about them. That's them the kind of prophets I'm talking about. So we was following this man of God, and for about a good year and a half, two years, I was, uh, used to play the keyboard and, and drums, and he played keyboard. So we was his musicians. Sometimes I'd be on the drums. Sometimes he'd be on the drums, keyboard, so forth and so on. And we were every, I'm talking about all over Mississippi, just traveling with him, supporting him. And watch this. The reason we were there, we enjoyed the atmosphere, we enjoyed the fellowship, but let's be honest, the reason we were there is because I understood at an early age that God is not a respecter person. I may not have your gift, come on somebody, but the same way God is using you, I believe he can use me that same way. So I'm sitting there and I'm learning from this man as I'm watching him. About a year and a half, two years later, the prophet failed. He fell into something real bad. And I remember going over to his old house and seeing him around the corner in the midst. Somebody, people were telling me the stuff that he was doing, but I saw it firsthand. And I remember going to my buddy, and I told him, man, Prophet so-and-so, man, that, that ain't about nothing, man. That ain't about nothing, man. I saw it myself. And watch this. My friend, who I was bad-mouthing, the prophet told he came to me and he says, Greg, man, let's not do that, man. Let's just pray for him right now. Let's pray for him right now. Watch this. Watch this. About two weeks later, my friend come to me and he says, Greg, you ain't going to believe this. He said, God used me to restore prophet so-and-so. I said, what? 
he used me to lead him back to the place. And so I just kind of left it like that. And I was fine with that. It is what it is. I was going on to find my next mentor. It didn't hit me again until I saw my friend in the pulpit ministering. Watch this. With the same anointing that was on the prophet that we were following. When I saw my friend preaching, I didn't see him preaching. I saw, it, what, what, I'm not talking about imitation. I'm not talking about uh, uh, trying to pattern mannerism. I'm talking about same, y'all ain't, I'm talking about same effect. I'm talking about the same, same scope of reach that he had, the prophet had, it rested upon him. Why did it rest upon him and not me? We laugh about this from time to time. I say, you know I'm a late bloomer. Because where God had you years ago, it took me more time to get there. I'll tell you why it took me more time to get there. Dishonor. Because he honored the prophet, he got the prophet's reward. The same measure of grace that rested upon the prophet, watch this, God transferred it over to him. And I'm telling, I want to talk to my members just for a second. There is a level of grace that you're missing in this house because you dishonor me. I ain't, I ain't studying pastoral appreciation. Come on, somebody. I ain't studying a Father's Day gill. That is out the way. Y'all ain't talking to me in this place. I'm talking about there is something that's upon my life, and God will increase your anointing. Watch this. And place what's upon. Oh, God, I want to hear. He, he will, the same grace he places upon me, he will place it upon your life as well. Not because you're trying to be me, but because you honor what God has done on the inside of me. I see it in my house as a father. I see a grace to father my children because how I honored my own daddy. Didn't always agree with my father. Didn't always like some of the decisions that he made, but I learned at an early age to honor my father. Watch this. I wasn't even tied to the promises of the text. I'm getting ready to highlight that just, just for a moment. I was just taught and instructed to honor those who have the rule over you. And as a father, same grace that he had, I saw him with my siblings and with myself. Same grace rests upon me as I deal with challenging times with my own kids. I'm telling you, watch, watch the wisdom. Had my dad been a dud, I'm talking about no count, and I still honored him, same grace that God put on his life, watch this, whether he actually maximized the grace or not, the same grace that was there and that could have potentially benefited him because I honored him, it transfers over to me. So again, you don't honor because they're honorable. You honor them because of the position that God has placed them in your life. Can somebody say amen right there? <laughs> Whoever welcomes a prophet as a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. Whoever welcomes a righteous person, the, the, the person, as, as, a, as a righteous person. Look, look, look at what he's saying. I, I'm trying to move on. He's saying... If you welcome the prophet in the office of the prophet, if you welcome the righteous person in the office, in the call of being righteous, you receive what they got because you, you honor who God has made them to be. We'll receive a righteous person's reward. I'm done. Ephesians chapter number six, verses number two. Look at this. Somebody shout honor. The Bible declares honor your father and mother which is the first commandment with promise. That's crazy all by itself. Ten commandments. Um, 
thou shalt, thou shalt, thou shalt not. But when you get to honor, this is the first of the ten that I'm going to establish or attach a promise directly to, to bless you. The other ones, you do it because I said so. <laughs> thou shalt have no other God before me. Why? Because I said so. Thou shalt not commit adultery, so thy wife shalt thus not kill thee. Doesn't say that. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Why? Why not? Why, why y'all? Why? Why you shouldn't commit adultery? Because I said so. Thou shalt not steal, so your neighbor won't bash your head in. <laughs> Is that what it say? Come on, now here, help me, man. You know the word. Is that what it say? You don't say that. Thou shalt not steal. Why not? Why? Why, God? Why? Because I said so. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbors, whatever. Why? Why? Why, God? What's up with that? Because I said so. But when it comes to honor, it shows the heart of God. Because you reward what's most important to you. Jesus. My, 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 my baby, uh, Teresa, she was, she was in there. I told Charity and I told Teresa to up and do something. They came and they cleaned up. And watch this. Um, let me pick on me. Charity did exactly what I told her to do. I said, baby, you need to pick that up, that up, that up, that up, that up. If I didn't tell her to pick it up, she ain't pick it up. She's an obedient child. <laughs> she was obedient. She, I'm talking about to the T. But he didn't tell me to pick up that paper, so I'm going to leave it there. I'm, I don't want to disobey my daddy pick up this paper, not that paper. Boy, watch this. Teresa came in there and I told Teresa, I put Teresa in another part of the house and I told her what to do. And Teresa did everything I said do. And when she finished, she started looking around and she went over and started doing some other stuff I didn't even tell her to do. I pulled Teresa to the side. I ain't gonna tell you what I, I ain't gonna tell you what I told Teresa. I ain't tell you. But she got a special blessing. You know why she got a special blessing at night? Because you reward what's most precious to you. I ain't rewarding you for doing what I told you to do. You're supposed to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But when I see you go overboard, and I'm going to tell you today, if you're going to honor somebody, you're going to go overboard. Because it's easy to honor the honorable. honor and do what God says when those in your life have failed you, have dropped you, have disappointed you. So God says this is really important to me. This is the first commandment. With I'm, I'm, giving a, I'm giving a blessing if you do this one right here. The other ones, you just better do it for, because, I, because I said so. Get up in here. Do it now. But this one right here, I'm going to tell you something special with this one. He says, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. Watch this. Two, two, two things so that it may go well with thee and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. So honoring your parents speaks to two blessings. It speaks to the quality of life and longevity of life. And when you dishonor your parents, I'm, listen, if you zeroing up, I'm talking to you today. If you zero and up, I'm talking to you today. 
this message still applies to me because dad and mom are still here and not only does it apply to my natural parents it's applicable as well to my spiritual parents God I want to help those were the hard conversations years ago I had to go back and I had to say something because I was one of the ones I saw dishonor in those who were shepherding me and I highlighted the things that was wrong and I negated all the things that God did right through them to bless me and I had to go back and I had to apologize watch this he says honor your father and mother so it may go well with thee and that you may have long life on the earth so if you get those two blessings when you honor when you dishonor you either cut your days short or the quality of your life is diminished How can the quality of my life be diminished? It's real easy. When I honor my father, I get my grace plus his because I honored him. When I honor my leaders, I get what God had in store for me anyway, plus his because I gave him honor. But when I dishonor, the only grace I get is what was owed to me in the first place. And I'm challenging the people of God, you could actually have so much more could have so much more I don't know about you but I made a decision years ago I realized that I'm a like I'm a I'm a pretty decently smart dude my wife sometimes she'd be like hey, you ain't that smart uh-uh. I can't believe you did that dumb 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 <laughs> but I think I'm a pretty smart dude but watch this I realized that my efforts can only get me so far if God put the super on my natural the sky's not the limit as to what I can achieve. How does he put the super on your natural when you stay within the bounds of the word and you do what it is that he called you to do despite what other people do? So I made a decision. I don't care how dishonorable leaders are. I'm going to honor them anyway. Again, it's a whole other message. We could talk about the biblical prot uh, protocol of how to address and even correct adult leaders superiors when they're in the wrong. There's a biblical protocol of how to do that. That ain't the emphasis. The emphasis, even if God is using me to issue the correction slash rebuke, mm, I must maintain an attitude of honor despite the things that they have done. Can somebody say amen to that? Come on and give God a hand clap of praise all over this place. <laughs> Lady McGee, I want you to come here just for a second because this is what I want to do. I, I know a message like this people struggle sweetheart people struggle people struggle and there's some people that are struggling right now because you're saying pastor I know I see what the words say you ain't said nothing out the word that's that's right it's, it's hard for me to honor mama because she ain't I hear what you're saying and sometimes it's challenging for me to really honor my daddy because for some of you all the pain is even the more extreme I couldn't stand my mama because she did not what I'm supposed to do now. Daddy, we ain't even here no more. We never had a relationship. I never reached out. So I hear you telling me to honor. Watch this. God can adjust your attitude. And he wants to act because watch this. Honor is not in just what you do. It's not in just what you say. 
but it's the attitude that you have towards the individual. I had somebody, um, my, my father in the gospel, Apostle, Apostle Beard, Apostle Paul Beard. Um, Pop, somebody came up to me uh, that we was in church together at, at BMP, and he said, hey, Grant, how you doing? I was like, what's, what's up, man? He said, have you seen Paul lately? I was like, I'm Paul, Paul who? Who are you talking about? You know, Apostle Paul. You know who I'm talking about. Paul Beard. I was like, dude, come on. I cut that conversation short. <laughs> because I don't dis, I don't entertain dishonor like that. I don't call my father by his watch this I don't call my dad wit his friends and his classmate they call him wit come on somebody so I'm not going to dishonor my father in the gospel and be called it the devil is absent I felt I feel I just felt discomfortable just saying wit pop <laughs> it's not just about what you do and what you say it's about the attitude you have towards the individual and in my attitude I choose not to sow dishonor. Even when I'm upset at what leaders do in my life, I'm careful about what I allow my heart to meditate on because I don't want my heart to become corrupt because if the heart is corrupt in just a moment, out of the abundance of the heart, that the mouth, if you're going to say something, if you allow that to saturate in your heart, don't do it. Don't do it. So, Pastor McGee, what do you do with the word like this? It's real easy. You repent. You repent. Let me tell you why I, I, I don't mind preaching. I don't mind telling. I don't mind doing what God tells me to do. You, you know why? My, 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 my pop, he came to the house. Um, this was about two years ago. And um, I wanted a garden. Well, I didn't want a garden. My wife wanted a garden. <laughs> garden equates to work. And I ain't trying to work like that. <laughs> I'm trying to work for the Lord. So he, he told me what to do. Um, it had grown up and he wanted me to kill the grass and then after killing the grass I had to come in and I had to till and turn it up and I had to let it set out a couple other things I had to do and it took me about three weeks to get the ground to a place in my ear where I could plant the seed this is why preaching is easy for me is because God never told me to plow till the ground all he told me to do is plant the seed. This is why you should be without fear when it comes to witnessing. Because if God prompts your heart to minister to somebody, the reason he's prompting your heart to plant a seed is because he's already been there tilling the ground. So in a message like this, I'm not bringing new revelation. I'm actually bringing confirmation because God has already been plowing and tilling your heart in this particular area. So the seed has been planted. What is your response? Ooh, twofold. Today you repent to God. Tomorrow you seek the face of God of how I'm going to repent to that individual. What I need to say to my dad. What I need to say to my mom. What do I need to say to my spiritual leaders. What do I need to say to maybe some government official. How do I need to approach that. So if that's you today. Heads bowed and eyes closed all over this building. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Heads bowed. Heads bowed. I'm not calling anybody out. And you guys who are watching me online. In the privacy of your own home. I don't, you don't have to raise your hand and say, Pastor, this word was for me. But if it is, it's in the house, in the house. Everybody off duty. My usher's off duties. I want to see who it is who I'm ministering to do. 
to today. If that's you and you're saying, Pastor, that's me, just lift your hand real quickly in the air. I want to see you. Thank you. Thank you for your honesty. That's really good. Thank you. Thank you for your honesty. You can put your hands down. Thank you, Jesus. So, Lady McGee, individuals here as well as those who are online have a responsibility to ask God for forgiveness for dishonoring those who he has placed in their lives. And they also have a responsibility to go to those individuals to confess their sins to make it right. Dishonor just doesn't go. You don't, you don't slap somebody in the face and say, oh, God, I'm sorry, forgive me. And don't go to that person and make it right. Lady McGee, lead us in prayer, please, dear. Amen. So this morning when I was praying and God spoke to me and I, I was going to post a post and I never got around to it. So I know that it was meant for me to pray today. But in the post, God, I was going through something difficult on yesterday, um, something that I found out and I was just angry. However, I didn't act or react like I normally would when I get angry because the Bible says that it's okay to be angry and not to sin. So I made a choice not to sin. And this morning, I woke up and I still had that anger. And God told me to focus on the good and not the bad. And I didn't know what it meant until I heard this word. And so I want to challenge each and every one of you under the sound of my voice to just seek the face of God on today, to focus on that which is good. I remember having to lean on those same words a few years ago when someone died. I had to muster up the spiritual strength to show honor, although some things had been done in my life to me that I felt they deserved dishonor and so I'm going to pray father we love you on today God we love you God and we appreciate your word God your word which brings about correction your word which brings about rebuke your word that is sharper than a two-edged sword but your word that also brings healing and so today, God, Lord, I pray, God, that you would go to the very root of whatever the issue is that has caused each and every individual to so dishonor God. And I pray, God, that you would help them to uproot that problem from the very roots, oh God, and to terminate it now in the name of Jesus, God. Lord, help us, O oh God, to be obedient to your word, O oh God, and to honor the people, O oh God, that you've placed in our lives, God. God, you knew who we needed in our life, God. You knew the parents, the grandparents, the great-grandparents, God. You knew the president that needed to be. You knew the pastor and the leader, O oh God. You knew everybody, the boss on the job that we have, God. Whatever authoritative figure we have in our lives, God, you knew who they were and you knew who to place in our lives, God. Help us to honor them, not just because they're perfect, oh God, because you place them in our lives and you know everything that we stand in need of, God. Lord, I ask in the name of Jesus, oh God, that you would mend broken relationships broken friendships, broken parent relationships, oh God, even on the job, oh God, that you would mend relationships, oh God, and bring together and build people up on one accord, oh God, like never before, oh God, like only you can do, oh God. 
Help us, oh God, to so honor, oh God, because it is right and because you told us to, oh God, that we may live a long, healthy life on this earth, oh God. It is the plans of the enemy to kill, to steal, and to destroy, but your plans on the contrary, God, are that you gave us life and life more abundantly, oh God. And so, God, help us to live the abundant life. Don't allow us to miss out, oh God, because we're walking in bitterness and anger, oh God. But allow us to walk in honor, oh God, standing firm on your word, knowing, oh God, that you will handle those that handled us wrongly, oh God. So we don't give people what they gave us, oh God, but we give them what you give us freely, oh God. And that is love. That is grace, oh God. And we thank you and we magnify you on today, God, because you alone are worthy of the praise, God. You alone are are worthy of the honor oh God hallelujah thank you Jesus and because you choose us oh God and you give us honor even when we don't deserve it God help us oh God to give that same thing back oh God mend every relationship that is broken oh God for your glory oh God in this season, oh God, in this holiday season, oh God, allow us oh God to make things right. Even in this pandemic, we've missed the mark, God. We've missed the mark, oh God. It was time for us to restore our families back in March, oh God. But we've been so focused on doing things and making ourselves great, oh God, that we've forgotten about whose name is great, God. It is your name that is above every name. It is your name that is higher than every name. It is your name that every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that you are Lord. Help us, oh God, to get it right, oh God. So ultimately, our lives will line up with your word and that we will be a light, oh God. And when people see us, they will see you and they will glorify you, which is in heaven, oh God. Help us, oh, get it to get it right, God, because our family members that are not saved are looking at us, oh God, who say we're saved, God. Help us to get it right, oh God, so that when we stand before you, oh God, we hear, well done, thy good and thy faithful servant. I rebuke the enemy now in the name of Jesus. With the power of God, I rebuke him now. Every foul seed that he has sowed in our lives, we uproot it now in the name of Jesus. And we speak the peace of God that surpasses all understanding to rest on his guilt. You must go now in the name of Jesus. Condemnation, you must go now in the name of Jesus. Pride, you must go now in the name of Jesus. Fear, you must go now in the name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you and we praise you, oh God. We thank you in advance, oh God, that you're going to give us the wisdom, oh God, of how to reach out to those that we've sowed dishonor with, God. That you're going to give us the wisdom, oh God, and that you're going to mend the relationship just where you want it to be, oh God. And that you will be glorified and the enemy will be defeated in the name of Jesus. Come on and bless the Lord all over this hands together. Hallelujah. Somebody shout, I love you, Jesus. Somebody shout, I love you, Lord.